the VCA Voice podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marie Curl. Our goal with the VCA Voice is to showcase how VCA Animal Hospitals is taking care of the future of veterinary medicine. We'll bring our purpose to life through meaningful conversations about care, our culture, and the communities we serve. On today's episode, I'm happy to welcome Wendy Farley. Wendy is the hospital director of VCA South Shore Animal Hospital, a large specialty 24-hour emergency and hybrid hospital in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you for having me today, Dr. Carl. Absolutely. I'm so glad you could join me and uh, you are our first hospital manager on the podcast. And I really wanted to hear more about what it's like to be a hospital manager and be able to share that with our listeners. So, Wendy, can you tell me about your path in veterinary medicine and with VCA? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I I think it kind of started just after high school. I was considering what career path I, I really wanted. And I spent some time thinking about what I could do that would not be work for work. Um, <laughs> something that I would be really passionate about for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, that definitely led me to working with animals. So at the time, I was encouraged to go to school and apply to vet school. So I, I finished the prerequisites and started working full time in a veterinary clinic and as a client service representative um, in a 24 hour emergency place and found very quickly that I, I absolutely loved the industry. I loved being in the clinic. I loved working with the animals and with the people. Mm -hmm. Like most things, um, decided that actually going to vet school wasn't for me. I really enjoyed being a technician. So I shifted gears, pivoted, and uh, went back to school to become a certified veterinary technician. I was very lucky over the course of my career to not only have great people to teach me my technical skills, but also to mentor me in leadership. And I found that that was something that I very much enjoyed. I, I liked the opportunity to shape my environment, um, provide input, and to make change that would make things better for everybody. So after about 20 years of working as a technician on the floor, I decided to make the change into more of a full-time administrative role, and I joined VCA about seven years ago. And shortly after that, I took the role as a technician manager, managing a team of just about 100 or so technicians and tech assistants, and then got the opportunity to move into the hospital director role uh, about a year and a half ago. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a hospital manager and especially what it's like to be a hospital manager in a 24-hour multi-specialty mm-hmm. hospital. Yeah. So here in VCA South Shore, uh, we have over 300 employees. Mm-hmm. So, and that includes our doctors, our, our support staff, um, technicians, and uh, client service representatives. So I, I'm very lucky here to be supported by a good management team. Um, we're very collaborative and my role is really to help support them in taking care of the associates and and making sure that they have what they need to be able to to provide the medical care. So it it all starts with with really taking care of our team and making Mm -hmm. sure they have the knowledge, the resources to to be able to do their jobs effectively and and to be heard and, and listen to what their ideas are. We put a good deal of thought into, uh, what, what is supporting the team look like and, and, because of the challenges of having different roles, different experience levels, and different shifts. You know, mm-hmm. the, the overnight team needs something very different than the seven to three shift. Oh, yes. So we try to make sure we're paying attention to all of those factors. What is an average day in the life of a hospital manager like, or is there such a thing as an average day? 
I can truly say that there really is no average day in the life of a hospital manager. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there's there's some days that I might be meeting with associates all day, doctors and technicians, and, and trying to find ways to help guide them or implement ideas or problem solve or something along those lines. Other days, I might spend the majority of my day digging into the financials of, of the hospital and, and making sure that we're running efficiently and effectively. Mm-hmm. I might be speaking with clients to help improve our services and to hear their feedback and address some of their concerns, um, coordinating meetings with different departments. And in other days, I, I might be restraining a pet for an exam or doing some laundry or cleaning an exam room. So answering the phone, it's, it's, I can truly say there's no typical day. Um, there's no average day other than coming to work each day with a plan, potentially a to-do list, and then realizing that it's very likely I'm going to be pivoting and, and meeting the needs of the team in the moment. You know, we often talk about career pathing for technicians, and I know many technicians end up as hospital managers, and some of those are an intentional move, and some are not an intentional move. But how how much does your background as a credential veterinary technician help in your role as a hospital manager? I think I have an advantage with that background because I have had the opportunity to play every role in the hospital other than veterinarian. So I, you know, I've been, I've been the boarding staff, I've been the client service representatives, I've been a technician. So while the medical knowledge itself is helpful, does lend a hand to some of the conversations and decisions that we make. I think that truly understanding where my staff is coming from, where the team is coming from, you know, whether it's working an overnight shift, I've done that. I know how difficult it can be on your family. Working long shifts on your feet, I know what that's like. Dealing with clients who may be emotionally upset, I I understand what that's like as well. So I think it gives me a great perspective to be able to support my team. Tell me about your technician supervisory structure, because with such a large staff in your hospital, you have needs to be able to support all of your staff at all of the times of the day. So what does that that supervisory structure and that after hour structure look like? So it's, I'll start with the management structure. So we have a, a strong management team. I have um, a general practice manager, a specialty technician manager, and a uh, ER and ICU manager. And then to support that, we also have a client service manager and a boarding and technician assistant manager. So a robust team there. And each of them has several supervisors as well to make sure that the associates have a direct line to the leadership team. I think in order to be an effective leader, you have to know your team personally. And there's no Mm -hmm. way that one person could know 300 something employees personally. True. So I really rely on them to... To, to make sure that they're having those those uh, personal relationships with their teams. My team is here 24-7. So it's important that they have access to somebody 24-7 as well. There is a member of our management team here seven days a week, even on holidays, Saturdays, Sundays. We, we rotate to make sure that we are here in the moment when they need us. There's also a supervisor on call for each department, as well as a manager on call for the entire hospital 24 hours a day. And, and we're available for questions to help troubleshoot, um, make decisions in the moment and, and do whatever they need to be able to do their jobs effectively. You've used the term supervisor and manager. What is the difference between those two roles? So, you know, I, I feel like a supervisor is somebody who works directly with their team. They work a lot of times side by side with their team. Um, so they are 
filling the role alongside and, and, you know, maybe working at least 50% of the time on the floor. They're there to make the, sh- the decisions in the moment to support our protocols, um, to guide the team in, in the most effective ways in the moment to do their job. Whereas a manager is somebody who is a little bit more um, looking at the bigger picture. They're helping mm-hmm. to develop and implement protocols across the board and help develop their supervisors into larger supervisory roles, develop their leadership skills, their communication skills, and help them on a career path wherever that might take them. How can someone without a strong background in finance learn the financial aspects needed to be a hospital manager, really of any size hospital, but your hospital is quite large and complex? Yeah, I did not have a finance background Mm -hmm. when I started in this position. And I would say the best thing to do is to use your resources. I'm so fortunate to have the support of my regional operations director and the field team to help explore those those aspects of the hospital. So things like reading into the profit and loss statement regularly with me so that I was able to dive in on my own and, and then turn around and back, be able to present back to them. VCA also has just so many resources through WFU um, and through other online opportunities to learn on the different financial aspects of the practice. I think that it's it's a nice resource to have to be able to break it down into pieces, help somebody mm-hmm. like me understand of all the different areas of the profit and loss statement. You know, why does order count matter? Why does pricing matter? Um, you know, how do, how do we get more efficient? And I think that really using those resources and just diving in. The other thing would be to do it regularly, to, to get to know your numbers on a daily basis. And that repetition really, really does lead to the familiarity to be able to manage the system a little bit more effectively. Do you think that somebody without a background in veterinary medicine could step into a hospital manager role? I do believe that they could absolutely be successful. As long as somebody has the willingness to learn what happens in a hospital, to work alongside their employees for a little while, to really see things and listen to their associates, it's still managing people. It's it's a balance of managing a business and managing people at the same time. And, and if somebody can understand where their employees are coming from, that's really all that matters. The, the, the veterinary knowledge is helpful, but it's not the necessity as much as being able to, to interact with your staff, your team. So what are the best parts of your role and, and what are some of the challenges? So my favorite part of being in the role of a hospital director is really being able to implement the changes that I hear from our associates. I enjoy a collaborative team environment here. We do a lot of brainstorming sessions. We hear ideas come from any of our associates, and and this is a theme throughout VCA. We hear that one person has an idea, and we think, what can we do to make that work and make that happen? And I enjoy being able to make our associates' environment that much better by implementing the ideas that they think would make their jobs easier and, and better for them. The challenge for sure is, especially in a hospital this size, is getting to know each of the, of the associates personally. Mm-hmm. And that makes communication a little bit more difficult. So it's hard to make sure that everybody understands the reasoning of some of the decisions that we make if they don't know who I am as a person. So I, my challenge is to get out there and to walk through the hospital on a regular basis and check in with the team as they're working and see what, what needs to be done and get some candid feedback on things that are happening in the hospital. And, and just being able to read the mood, I think, is very helpful. But it's a challenge to, to stay on top of, are we doing the right thing for our hospital and our associates?
any examples of things that associates have brought to you that seem like really good ideas that you've launched as, as pilot projects? Absolutely. So a, a great example of an idea that somebody brought to us was the Scribe project that's going through and is now a, a major project in, in BCA. Mm-hmm. And that came from one of our managers here who saw this in action in a facility that she took her son to when she went to a medical facility. And she came back and she said, you know, I'm just, I'd love to see this happen here. And you know, we brought that to some of the team. Um, we looked at different ways. She did a lot of research herself on what how that might look, and mm-hmm. kept bringing that to the to the regional team. And eventually, it, it was embraced. And now it, it's gone from a pilot of fifteen or so veterinarians to a national number now. And it's wonderful to see such a helpful tool that came from you know somebody taking their child to their own doctor and get implemented it across the veterinary hospitals. So how exactly does that work with the SCRIBE project? The SCRIBE project is very analogous to what happens in in a human facility Mm -hmm. where the doctor will have some sort of a device, either a phone or an iPad in the room with them when they're doing their exam. So they're speaking out loud to the client, but also to the SCRIBE, describing their, their physical exam. And the SCRIBE is virtually typing that into the medical record, right down from whatever their physical findings are to what medications they want to send home or potentially discharge instructions and making sure that all that information gets in there. How long has it taken your doctors to get up to speed using the tool to be able to do that? Some doctors have picked it up very quickly. So within just a, a few training sessions, they've completely embraced that technology and incorporated it into all parts of their day. Mm-hmm. Some of them at this point even use it for you know, doing their client communications when they come in the next morning, they're they're calling their clients back to review lab work and they're recording those. Other doctors struggled a little bit to incorporate it into their day. So it really depends on how comfortable they are with technology and how willing they are to be a little bit flexible in their in their um, in how they how they move through their appointments and move through their days. I think probably another skill is if you don't naturally speak out loud during your exam and haven't been trained to do that, that's a little bit of a learning curve as well. Once they start to do it and they actually see the reactions, the clients actually enjoy that as well. They, they get to understand what's happening and what, what the doctor is seeing, feeling, and thinking when they're doing their exam on their pet. I completely agree. I, I applaud you for supporting your team and bringing that project forward. I'm really excited to see what the future of that looks like and how we can help make lives of those in our hospitals easier to get home on time and not have to bring records home and, and to be able to spend time with their family instead. Tell me a little bit about why culture is so important for a veterinary team and how do you build and support a positive culture? Yeah, I feel that building a positive culture is just it's so important. It's something that I am deeply passionate about. I really believe that veterinary medicine, especially in emergency practice, can be incredibly stressful for our teams. Our clients are often here unexpectedly. They're facing advanced diseases or complicated surgeries. And our team is not just responsible for providing that medical care, but also for communicating what is needed and to do that effectively and accurately for our clients. And so in order to do that, we really have to have a culture of trust and open communication as well as learning. Our staff needs to be able to ask questions and clarify in the moment without fear of feeling like they are less or that it was a silly question. And so really the only way to promote such a culture is from demonstrating it from the top down Mm -hmm. and living it each and every day. And our leadership team really works to provide regular feedback 
we encourage honest conversations between our team and we offer leadership trainings to really reinforce that. I think that most importantly, the leadership team has to habitually demonstrate all of those values that we expect our teams to have. And that means listening to our employees when they come to us with an idea or a concern and really hearing them through, listening to what is behind the idea and the whys of what they want to do, and then helping to support them to implement those or come up with protocols to support that. You mentioned earlier a little bit about how difficult it is to work overnight. And I, you know, I certainly recognize that shift work, especially in a 24-hour ER specialty hospital is, is really hard. What are some of the challenges faced by the overnight and evening staff that you just don't see in the daytime? I think in general, the evening and the overnight staff really feel disconnected mm-hmm. from from their coworkers that are there during the day, but really from the leadership team. And, you know, it's, it's difficult for them to come in on off hours. Their sleep schedules are different than their family members or their friends. Most of the time, they really struggle with some of the simple things like, do they get to get to the bank on time or they go to the grocery store and, and how, you know, how do we help them with those challenges? What kind of tools and resources and understanding can we have for them? And we often say, meet them where they're at. And you know, if, if they have a question or a concern or it's time for a meeting with our overnight team, it's important that we don't do it at two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Right. I would prefer to do it first thing in the morning, but they would prefer to do it at eight or nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So, so there it is. So we're going to come in at eight o'clock at night and sit down and meet with them and, and hear their concerns and, and do our best to communicate with them. We also just try to make sure that they have those resources that they need. And you know, some of the rewards that we try to give our teams are different for our overnight staff. You know, an Amazon card is really helpful when you work overnights Mm because you can have things delivered and don't have to get out and go to the store. Whereas, you know, some snacks or something during the day might might be better for some of our daytime staff. So try to, again, try to find what their needs are. I know that you lived through COVID. We all did. And COVID especially hit our 24-hour emergency specialty hybrid hospitals really hard. Can you give me any insights on how you and your team got through those really difficult days? I will say that there is no doubt that COVID impacted veterinary medicine. And I will honestly say, I think it in the long term, it helped us Mm -hmm. and it, it was better. In the moment, it was a lot of day-to-day in-the-moment decisions. Our, our leadership team met every single day for whatever, however long we needed, usually a half an hour to 45 minutes to discuss whatever issue was coming up at that moment. We had to learn how to run a hospital in a very different environment. How do you run a hospital without clients being allowed in? How do you socially mm-hmm. distance in veterinary medicine? Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> true. It's almost impossible. <laughs> and how do, you, how do you expect your your team to work a 10-hour shift wearing a mask mm-hmm. that they never had to wear before. So we tried lots of different things. And, and that's one of the things that I'm so proud of this hospital for is the willingness to say, hey, you know what? This is an idea. Let's try it. Let's give it a couple of days. Nope, that didn't work. We're going to try something else. This, is, this might be better. Let's, let's pivot and try this instead. We thought about a lot of our space issues in our hospital. And our hospital doesn't have a lot of extra space, but we did also do things like give up our large conference room so that the mm-hmm. team could spread out and socially distance and eat lunch safely. We, you know, we, we alternated office hours so that there was a, there was a manager manager here 
um, about 18 out of the 24 hours of the day. So that allowed us to socially distance ourselves and also provide support way beyond our normal business hours of, you know, a nine to five kind of an operation, because that's when it was needed. And it took a lot of evaluating things in the moment, making decisions, hearing ideas, no matter how crazy they might have been, and then trying to figure out exactly which was was the best way to go. How's everyone doing now? Have they weathered the storm and come through stronger? I believe that everybody has come through stronger and smarter. I think that we've really learned a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So many years ago in veterinary medicine, it was expected that you worked 12, 16 hours a day and didn't always get a lunch break. And you just, you always came to work when you were sick and, you know, you you did what needed to get done to get through the day. And Mm -hmm. while our team is still incredibly dedicated, I think that we've been able to reevaluate some of those expectations and, and we can't expect staff our team to work under those conditions anymore. Um, We instead really make sure that they're taking care of themselves. You're not feeling well, you do need to stay home. We will be a little short staffed today, but we will figure that out. And I think that the team has shown such resiliency and, and a willingness to still come in every single day and take care of those patients. It's amazing to me how hard they have worked over the last several years and how hard they continue to work with still with such passion and enthusiasm for what they do. So I knew a, a reasonable amount about the veterinarian and the technician side of veterinary medicine. What can you tell me about the front of house world and supporting great customer service representatives? And you had that start in veterinary medicine. So how does that work? I often say I really believe that the client service representative has one of the more challenging roles within the hospital. And sometimes with a little less of the warm and fuzzies, right? They're they're not the ones that are hands-on with the patients. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit more of a challenge. Um, they are the first face or voice that a client sees. And it really helps to shape that first impression. They are tasked often with discussing some of the uncomfortable necessities of finances with the clients and, and have to help them find that balance of exceptional care and still reasonable cost. And that's never an easy conversation. Um, they often are the last person that the client sees as they conclude their visit as well. So their impressions are so, so important. And, and that makes it even more vital that we provide them with the tools and knowledge that they, they need to be able to support our clients and each other. They need to have a, a basic understanding of a, a better knowledge, but they also need to have the freedom to provide the kind of compassion and empathy and communication skills that allow us to establish a trusting relationship with our clients. If our clients aren't going to trust us, our veterinarians and technicians can't provide the medical care that our patients need. And it's often up to the client service representatives to portray that level of professionalism and communication skills to be able to acquire that trust. It takes a special blend of of those skills of compassion and empathy and patience (laughs) to be able to be a successful client service representative in any veterinary hospital. Oh, I, I agree with you that it is an incredibly difficult job. And I think that it's hard as a veterinarian or, or technician or assistant to be able to see all of the things that are happening and the challenges of those roles. What kind of coaching or training do you provide for the client service representative specifically? We try to provide a, a variety of different trainings. One of the things we really like to do is have those representatives shadow mm-hmm. in the back for a while. Many of our most successful client service representatives come to us from other industries, so so no veterinarian background. 
they understand the care and compassion that they have for their own animals, uh-huh. but they don't necessarily understand the veterinary side of things. So having them see what happens during a wellness exam, what happens during a neurology exam, um, what happens during emergency or, or while the patient is here in our hospital. And that gives them a, a much broader depth of information and a way to be able to communicate that to the client. They can say, I can go back and take a look at your dog's sleeping right now. And, and I can send you a picture using some of our technology, right? We can, we can text you to show you that your, your pup is sleeping quietly in, in our ICU. So we start with some of that. We provide some basic veterinary training as well. So veterinary knowledge of, or knowledge of veterinary terms, being able to speak intelligently mm-hmm. about some of the things that need to happen to their pet. So they have an understanding of the services that we provide. And then we do a lot of empathy and client relation and client interaction training as well. We utilize a lot of the resources on WFU to be able to have them broaden their, their client experience skills. We're also very lucky here to have an experience manager and her role is to help curate the experience of not just the employees, but the clients as well. And so she will handle a lot of our, our concerns that we get mm-hmm. and then can turn that into a teaching moment for our team. You know, in this moment, this is what the client was hearing and feeling during this interaction. And, and what can we do differently next time? What are your thoughts about improving that or being able to see that they may have had a different perspective? And that's incredibly valuable for our team to, to be able to have that. I'm sure in your position, you've worked with clients in many challenging situations. Do you have any advice or experience to share about how to make those difficult interactions go better and what you've learned along the way through working with clients? Yeah, I think I think this is an area that we've all had quite a deal of experience with. And I think that when dealing with any client, it's really important to recognize and to remember not to take things personally. We don't know what's going on with a client behind the scenes. And while they may on the surface be objecting to maybe a financial aspect of a patient's care or an appointment time or something along those lines, it's really important to, to dig a little bit deeper and, and to get to the, the root of their concerns is it truly financial or do they not understand the value? Do they not understand the necessity of something? You know, they're, they're being difficult scheduling an appointment, but is that because they're a single parent and have a child that they need to work around their schedule? Really taking the time to understand where the client's stress is coming from, I think is, is just so important. Um, and really working together with the client is what gets us the opportunity to provide that medical care that that patient needs. And in stepping back, not taking it personally and really understanding where they're coming from is is the way that we need to be able to do that. Well, we don't have too much more time together. And I think I'd like to finish up by asking you if there are listeners out there who are considering becoming a hospital manager and stepping up into that role, what advice would you give them? I think it's 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 a wonderful role and I highly recommend it for most people. I am fortunate to absolutely love my job and, and I, I love what I do. Um, but I think that really stepping back and understanding the balance of running a business and taking care of your people and understanding them personally is so important. There's so many resources out there. It doesn't have to be done in a silo. You can reach out to other hospital managers and find ways that other hospitals are doing things and see what works for your hospital. I think really exploring 
how to grow your team and, and how to support them is such a big part of this. And it's so important to understand what your team wants and where they want to go. And then you can identify how you help them get there. It's not just enough to know how to run a business. There's so many deep emotional layers to a veterinary hospital and, and getting into that and really understanding your, your, your team and how they're feeling about things is, is so important. And you really need to be willing to place the needs of your employees at the same level as the needs of the business. And they're both very, very important. And it's a, it's a difficult balancing act, but it's so worth it in the long run. Well, and I know that you're doing a tremendous job of all of the aspects of the role. And I really appreciate your time that you spent talking with me today and agreeing to speak on this podcast. So, Wendy, thank you so very much for being here. Thank you, Dr. Crow, for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you as well. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. Don't forget to leave a review to let us know your thoughts and share the episode with friends. Follow VCA Animal Hospitals on social media at LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more inspiring stories, visit our website at vcavoice.com. Voice.com.